Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. It's only Thursday, and I'm only speaking for myself. It has been a brutal week. It's been a tough week. Ever since the Bucks beat the Pistons and closed that embarrassment of a first-round series down, it's been a tough week. It's been frustrating. It's been difficult. The weather and, and the cold today, that's that's a whole separate thing. We got the Brewers losing 11 of 16, and they've fallen to 500, and they're now trailing looking up in the division. They got today off, luckily, so we're not going to focus on the Brewers too much today. I have fatigue with the Brewers, talking about the starting pitching, talking about the offensive woes. I have mock draft fatigue. I don't know about you. I, My roommates love to watch ESPN. They love to watch Fox Sports. Like, if the TV is on, that's what on. I, I, I don't really know why we pay for cable in my house, actually, because really we only watch ESPN. We watch First Take. They watch Sports Center in the morning. So the TV goes on and ESPN goes on. NFL Network goes on. So as you can imagine this week, it has been mock draft after mock draft. Uh, whether it's an analyst coming on and saying, this is my top 10, or they're 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 really playing it up. They're saying, all right, th- this team's on the clock. Who do you like? Like, I have mock draft fatigue. And it's fun for a while. And this week would be fun and exciting if we haven't been doing mock drafts for the last two months, right? Like, I'm, I'm ready for the draft to be here. I'm excited for tonight. Uh, besides the Packers, I'm just ready for something new. I'm ready to start talking about where some of these players actually end up and what the NFL is going to look like here in a couple of months. Now, obviously, I'm excited for the Packers, and tonight we're going to be a little bit spoiled, uh, assuming the Packers don't maneuver around too much. Maybe they move up or down uh, with either one of their two picks, but for the most part, they're going to have a pick early and a pick somewhat late, so we're going to have entertainment throughout the night. We'll have reason to watch throughout the night. I'm just excited that we're finally going to do this thing and see who the Cardinals take number one and, and see who the Raiders do take at number four and with the rest of their picks. I have mock draft fatigue. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready for something new. This week's worn on me in that way. Possibly the most fatiguing part of this week and the most obnoxious part of this week has been having to listen uh, to Buck Celtics conversation. And, and here's the problem, right? The Buck series wrapped up earlier this week. The Celtics series wrapped up earlier this week. We talked about it on uh, on Tuesday, and, th- and there's just been time to fill, right? There's just been time to have a conversation because when you have two sweeps, the matchup is set, and it's a little bit less than a week until the game's actually played, game one on Sunday at noon. You got to fill time, got to talk about something, and, and the Bucks celtics conversation has just worn me out. People just trying to fill time. Especially the national conversation, and it's very obnoxious to me, so I want to talk about that Coming up in a few minutes, Eric Name, a writer for The Athletic, he's a host of the Locks on, Locked on Bucks podcast, uh, used to be at ESPN in Milwaukee. He's going to join us coming up at 5.30. There is, uh, well, with all due respect to our, our dear friend and friend of the show, Justin Garcia, Eric Name is one of the best. We'll leave it there uh, when it comes to talking Bucks. Very connected uh, and very plugged into everything going on. So we'll talk to him on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Coming up at 5.30. Before then, I want to share with you my frustration uh, about everything because that's I guess that's why I'm here today is to just vent. If you want to join me, 608-796-2558. You can join me on the five-star telecom talking text line. We're going to do two things to alleviate our frustration and our stress today. Uh, number one, I said we were going to talk about the Brewers. I have a four-pack of Brewers tickets to give away. They're for next Wednesday's game. Four tickets. Imagine you 
snagging these, calling a couple of your friends, a couple of your buddies, a couple of your family members, say, hi, I'm, I'm the plug. I got the tickets. Who wants to take a trip to Milwaukee next week? It's a Wednesday game. Uh, it's a 640 first pitch. Uh, they're playing the Rockies next Wednesday, uh, May 1st. So what we're going to do, shoot me a text at 608-796-2558 and say, hey, Grant, I'd love to take those tickets off your hands. And here we're going to add another layer to this as well. Three pitchers, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. You say, hey, Grant, I want the tickets, and this is who I think is going to be the best pitcher by the end of the year. Not because I, I'm just curious. I just want to know. Uh, because we're obviously in an interesting situation right now. Freddie Peralta injured, Corbin Burns is in the minors, and Brandon Woodruff has been spotty. So if you want those Brewers tickets, there are four of them. They're in Section 203, wonderful seats. I've sat there myself. Four tickets. Uh, it's over $200 value, and they can be yours. Just shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line. Say, hey, Grant, I'll take those off your hands, and here's who I think is going to be the best Brewers pitcher by the end of the year of those three young arms. So that's number one thing we're going to do to alleviate our stress, alleviate our fatigue with everything going on. And number two, we're going to talk about our problems. We're going to we're going to let it out because that's uh, that's the best way to get over something is to talk about it, to tell somebody else, to have a conversation. So I do have big issues with the way that this Bucks celtics series has been handled so far. And it's a lot of the conversation that that has been going on at levels that are bigger than a station like WKTY or the Bucks flagship flagship station WTMJ or the Bill Michaels uh, radio network, for example. I, I think people who are in the state and watch every single Bucks game and read about the Bucks and talk to fans, talk to coaches, talk to players, I think we get a pretty good grasp on the Bucks. And I think it's easier for people in Wisconsin to get a vibe and to get a base knowledge of the Celtics than vice versa. Because the Celtics are talked about so much, because the Celtics are always on TV, we have an opportunity alongside of our, our Bucks consumption to, to get a good slice of Boston as well. Now, I don't think fans in other markets, especially Boston, because they are, uh, you know, they're a little stuck up, you know, they're a little pretentious. Why would I ever watch Milwaukee? I don't think they're going out of their way to watch the Bucks, anyways. Uh, but the Bucks aren't on national TV, right? The Bucks aren't talked about on national TV, on the debate shows, on the highlight shows, as much as the Celtics. I think Bucks fans have a pretty good feel and a pretty good opinion of where these two teams sit. Now, as for the rest of the country, I don't know. We talked to Bart Winkler on Tuesday from 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee, about this whole Celtics versus Bucks conversation. And his, his opinion is everybody picked the Celtics at the beginning of the year. They're getting Kyrie back. They're getting Gordon Hayward back. I'm picking them to make the finals. And they had a... A disappointing regular season. Now, everything's still right in front of them. They could still very well make it to the NBA Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe they lose. But the regular season was certainly underwhelming and frustrating for Boston. And I think a lot of, and this is what Bart talked about on Tuesday, I think a lot of uh, those pundits and, and those writers and media members who picked the Celtics are riding with them only because they're Boston. Only because their jersey says Celtics on it. Right? Because all the numbers would say Milwaukee's the better team. I think the roster says the Bucs are the better team. Just about everything says the Bucs are the better team. Yet you still have talking heads, media members who are saying, yeah, I'm going to go with Boston uh, for whatever reason. Right? And, and look, I'm not overly defensive about my sports teams. If you want to talk to me about why you think the Celtics are going to win, have at it. I'd love to have a conversation. But provide some reasoning. Provide some data. Don't just say, well, I'm going to take Boston. I, I think they're the better team. Well, no, no, they're not because every metric indicates otherwise. Every statistic indicates otherwise. The regular season record indicates otherwise. And through round one of the playoffs, despite what people want to say about the Celtics being back because they swept the Pacers, 
all the playoff statistics and results would indicate otherwise as well. People are still picking Boston. People are still picking the Celtics. And, and I, I guess I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. But I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. Because apparently, and Bart talked about this on Tuesday as well, we live in a day and age where you can say whatever you want and, and, and basically twist the facts, twist the data, twist what we've seen, twist facts to fit your opinion. And that I, I just I, I want to have a legitimate conversation today comparing the Bucks and the Celtics because I think a lot of talking heads, I think a lot of opinion makers are wrong. And they don't want to admit that they were wrong at the beginning of the year when they picked the Celtics. And now the, the chickens have sort of come home to roost. The Bucs are the one seed. The Celtics lower down. The Bucs had the best regular season record, the best point differential, the best net rating, both offensively and defensively. The Bucs are the better team. So if you want to claim that the Celtics are going to win or you want to pick the Celtics to win, I want to hear a lot better reasoning than, well, because they're the Celtics. Because that's lazy. That's weak. And to be quite honest, that's pretty damn obnoxious too as somebody who tries to watch all these games, who tries to follow along with the statistics, tries to read all the articles and listen to the interviews and, and try to get a most holistic picture as possible so I can come on here on the Wisco Sports Show every day and, and provide a, a good conversation, a good area for Bucks fans and NBA fans alike to come in and, and talk about these teams and not just say, I'm going to pick the Celtics because they have history, because they're the better franchise. That's lazy. That's obnoxious. And to be honest, it's it's just, it's pissing me off. So I want to continue to talk about that coming up next. I have a four-pack of Brewers tickets to give away as well. Just shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line. Say, hey, Grant, I would love four Brewers tickets for next Wednesday's game against the Rockies. And also, while we're at it, just because I want to know, tell me who you think is going to be best at the end of the year. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. Who do you think becomes the best pitcher by the end of the 2019 season? So those four Brewers tickets can be yours. Just shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line. We're continuing to talk Bucks celtics uh, when we come back. Eric Name joins us from The Athletic at 5.30 as well. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show to come. Presented by Played Against Sports, you're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, presented by Played Again Sports. We're going to talk draft. We're going to talk Packers draft. Don't worry. We'll get to that about quarter to six. I, I figured as I'm kind of lining everything up tonight, we'll talk draft at the end, so then we can kind of flow right into the draft after my show, right? Start with Bucks, move into the draft, and then, of course, we'll all be watching. We'll all be listening tonight. Excellent coverage uh, with CBS tonight on WKTY in case you, you would rather listen or listen while you watch. So we will get to the draft talk. Uh, it has been tweeted out now by multiple people, first tweeted by Aaron Nagler and now followed up with Ian Rappaport and others. The tweet is uh, Packers trying to move up from 30, according to Adam Schefter. Ian Rappaport followed. Uh, sources say the Bills have explored possibly moving up in the draft, maybe for a top defensive lineman. Meanwhile, the Patriots and Packers are teams who could move up in the latter part of the draft. For the right player. So as any uh, information or any new tweets come across uh, that are well sourced about the Packers draft positioning. We'll talk about that on the rest of the show as well. Right now, Bucks Eric Name on the way from the Athletic at 530. We'll talk to him. I am annoyed. I am frustrated. <laughs> Can I, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I have gotten sick this week of a lot of things. The Brewers struggling. Uh, I've gotten sick of all the mock drafts. Uh, but most importantly, and I think most of all, I've gotten sick of the Bucks and the Celtics talk, because I think everybody's got it wrong. Have you ever felt that way? That everybody else on the earth is wrong about something, and that you're the only sane one? Have you ever felt that way? Because I feel, I kind of feel like that today. I was talking to Dave Carney. 
he hosts Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WKTY. He was here a little bit later on in the day today, and I was talking to him about some of the things that I've heard. Very legitimate, very credible NBA writers and NBA analysts say over the last week. And he looks at me and goes, what? And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's been said. And I, I, I don't get defensive as a as a fan. You, you listen to me talk about the Packers. I'm as frustrated with the Packers and, and want change as anyone else. I have almost been anti-Packers at times, I feel like. And sometimes I'm like, man, I got to cool it. I've been anti-Badgers at times. Like, I, I'm not, I do not only look at the world with green and gold glasses or blue and yellow glasses for the Brewers or whatever the Bucks would be, green and tan and blue, black. I don't know. I don't only look through my Fear the Deer Bucks sunglasses. I don't get defensive as a fan. I think sometimes Wisconsin sports fans do, and I think why that's uh, that's probably why people like Colin Cowherd and, and other talking heads tend to pick on us is because they know they get a reaction, right? That's just common sense. I, I just can't believe some of the takes that I've heard this week. Now, look, and I, this it always comes back to this. If you want to pick the Celtics, if you are picking the Celtics to beat the Bucks, I am 100% okay with that, and I will sleep like a baby tonight knowing that there is a human being out there, multiple human beings, that are picking Boston to win the series. I don't care. But when I hear someone say something like, yeah, I'm taking Boston, they're the better team. Well, no, 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 they're not. No statistic would indicate that. Looking at the roster would not indicate that. Looking at the regular season record or the postseason statistics up until this point on April 25th would not indicate that. So if you want to pick Boston, you better have a damn good reason. And a lot of these uh, analysts and writers have every resource at the tip of their fingers, statistics, and sources to tap on to ask questions, to put together a comprehensive argument like you would be a lawyer, right, trying to build a case. That's essentially what, what it would be. Not nearly as important, right? Sports is a little bit more trivial. But I, I hear people saying, like, I'll take the Celtics. They have a huge coaching advantage. Well, okay, well, well, last year the Celtics had a huge coaching advantage because it was Brad Stevens, and I'll do respect to Joe Prunty, but it was Brad Stevens versus the, the coaching equivalent of a rolled-up, I don't know, floor rug. Right? It was, the, it was the coaching equivalent of Brad Stevens versus a, a, a tangled string of Christmas lights. Like, Joe Prunty is not a coach that belongs in the NBA playoffs. I like Joe Prunty because he's not a jerk, which is more than you could say about Jason Kidd. That's a coaching advantage. Brad Stevens versus Joe Prunty is a coaching advantage, and a large one at that. Coach Budenholzer is going to win Coach of the Year. Now, Brad Stevens is probably, depending on who you ask, probably still considered the better coach. Even though he's had his issues making all the talent on the Celtics balance and work, and the chemistry's been a problem, uh, Brad Stevens is is still probably considered one of, if not the best coach in the NBA, alongside, you know, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. I know a lot of people like Quinn Snyder in in Utah. The coaching advantage is, is, is not massive. It's not huge. Last year was huge. Yeah. You can make a point for it last year. Because Joe Prunty, like I said, he, he just didn't belong in the playoffs. So I, I don't think there is a huge coaching advantage. All right, well, well, the Celtics have the playoff experience. They have all the playoff experience. Okay, well, you, you can kind of make that argument if you want to argue for Kyrie Irving, yeah. Sure. I'll take that. But outside of Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum's a sophomore. Jalen Brown, it would be a junior. This is his third year. Aaron Baines, the only experience he has in the playoffs is getting dunked on by everyone and anyone. Yeah, Al Horford's got some playoff experience, but none of those guys have won titles. It's not like you're, you're, you're talking about LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Guys who have been to multiple finals. Guys who have been to multiple conference finals. I mean, they've played in some games, 
But to act like the playoff advantage is is massive just, just isn't fair. And you go to the bench, they have little to no playoff experience outside of the last two years, right? They don't have seasoned veterans. Marcus Morris is fine. Yeah, he's a nice player. Terry Rozier had some good experience last year. That's about it. Marcus Smart had some good experience last year. Spent a lot of it getting teed up. Gordon Hayward got injured last year. He has no experience as it pertains to this team. And no experience outside of a, a, a one short-lived run in Utah. The playoff experience argument is, is it, I, I just, I, I don't buy into that a whole lot. Giannis has been through multiple series and he's gone through adversity, including getting ejected for form tackling Ryan Dunleavy. Like everybody's had some sort of playoff experience. The majority of teams in each conference make the postseason, right? Eight teams from both conference make the postseason. A lot of guys have postseason experience. Now, Kyrie Irving, yeah, you can make that argument. Outside of Kyrie Irving, I don't necessarily buy into anyone too much. Well, the Celtics are the deeper team. I'll take the Celtics because they're the deeper team. This is the one that really gets me going because I do think there is this consensus around the NBA that the Celtics are the deepest team. They have the deepest bench, the longest bench, and they present the most options for matching up with the defender. Really? You think the Celtics are are deeper than the Bucs? Because I don't. And I don't particularly think it's close. I told that to Dave and he laughed in my face. Like he didn't believe that I had actually heard that somewhere. Okay, Gordon Hayward coming off the benches is, is, is a nice piece. But outside of that, Terry Rozier, he's a, he's a young player. I would rather have uh, the point guard depth of Malcolm Brogdon, Eric Bledsoe, and George Hill. You want to talk about experience. He's been everywhere, done everything. I'll take that point guard group over Terry Rozier uh, backing up Kyrie Irving all day. I mean, Kyrie Irving's the best in that group. But Terry Rozier, it drops off quickly. Daniel Tice? Yeah, okay. Sure. Marcus Smart? Yeah, okay. I'll take. So what's the difference between... Uh, tell me, what's the difference between Marcus Smart and Sterling Brown? Marcus Smart plays for Boston. Sterling Brown plays for Milwaukee. That's the only difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Sterling Brown can also shoot. Like, I look at these two teams... And I don't. I think Milwaukee's the deeper team bar none. I don't think it's even close. But yet I still hear people making that argument. And, and it just, it leaves me scratching my head. People who are paid to eat, live, and sleep NBA basketball can make a statement like that and pass it off like it's common knowledge. Well, I'll take Boston. They're the deeper team. Uh, what? Okay, I'll go along with it. Let's say hypothetically Boston has the deeper team, which they don't. Wasn't it three weeks ago that everybody was talking about how the rotation shortened in the playoffs and depth doesn't matter in the playoffs and it's all about starters in the playoffs, it's all about stars in the playoffs? Am I the only one who is being driven crazy by the takes that are being thrown around about this series and how uneducated and how little perspective some of these takes have? It's unbelievable to me. Absolutely unbelievable. I don't think Boston's coaching advantage is that expansive. I don't think they're playoffs here. I think playoff experience, you can make an argument for either team. Kyrie Irving uh, is in a league of his own. Other than Kyrie Irving, it's pretty close to a draw. And the deeper team, uh, and we've been told that that doesn't matter, by the way, remember. But I think it does matter to some extent, and I think the Bucs are deeper bar none. And there are going to be players for the Bucs like DJ Wilson, who I don't think are barely even going to play in this series. Think about that for a second. Bucks, I got Pau Gasol. I don't think he's going to play a minute in this series. Uh, knock on wood, especially if no one gets injured. So I, I don't buy into the the, the Bucks being a shallower team. I, I don't think they have a coaching disadvantage. And I think the playoff experience is being overblown. And I think is pretty balanced outside of, like I said, Kyrie Irving, who we all know is a great closer, regardless of how much playoff experience he has. 
Man, it drives me wild. Drives me wild. Love the Bucks. I love how they match up. And I think what I, one thing I love about the Bucs compared to the Celtics is they get more experienced as you go to the bench. You get veterans on the bench. Ursan Ilyasova, George Hill, who have looked the best that they have looked all year in the last couple of weeks. Those players are trending in the right direction. I don't want to go to the bench and go to a second-year player like Terry Rozier. Or he might be a third-year player. Excuse me if I got that incorrect. A young player. I don't want to go to young players on the bench. I want some experience. I want some knowledge. I want some veterans coming off the bench. Mixed in with your young talent, of course. I love the Bucks, how they match up. I want to ask all these questions and touch on all these topics with Eric Name. He writes for The Athletic, hosts the Locks on, Locked on Bucks podcast, uh, used to be at ESPN in Milwaukee. We got to talk about a lot with Eric coming up next. He'll join me on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. You want to win a four-pack of Brewers tickets? Shoot me a text, 608-794-608-796-2558. Uh, Excuse me, say, hey, Grant, yeah, I'll take a pack of Brewers tickets. And, uh, and in the meantime, I also want to know, who do you think is going to be the best pitcher? Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. Freddie Peralta. When we get to August, who's going to be best? I want to know. And these four Brewers tickets are yours to take. More Bucks Talk with Eric Name of The Athletic coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. I'm your host, Grant Bills. The show is always presented by Played Against Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Look, I'm excited about the draft, and, and there have been some rumors now that the Packers are looking to move up. So we'll get to that coming up here in about 10 or 15 minutes. Right now, I'm excited. You should be as well. We're talking Bucks, and we're going to talk Bucks with Eric Name of The Athletic. He covers the Bucks. For The Athletic also hosts and record the Locked on Bucks podcast. One of the sharpest guys and most connected guys uh, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Eric, uh, thank you and welcome to the show. Welcome uh, to being on air in lacrosse. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Eric, I, I've been excited about this this week uh, and I've been bored, honestly, because the Pistons series, as fun as it was, didn't give us a whole lot to talk about. I guess I wanted to ask you, because I'm having an issue, what takeaways can we garner from that series what did we learn if anything like like what can we apply moving forward what were your big takeaways from the sweep I know it's a historical moment for Milwaukee but in terms of on the court and what will affect the Bucks moving forward what did we learn what do we take away I think the big thing is just that you know you you think back to a year ago and obviously the Bucks were were the underdog against against the Celtics but when you look at that series, I think you can kind of look at the box scores in that series and kind of wonder to yourself, just how, how did the Bucks ever live that way? How, how were they ever a basketball team when, you know, you had Don Maker starting, playing 29 minutes, you had Jabari Parker playing 25, 30 minutes a night, you had Jason Terry playing 20 minutes in a game, game seven, you had Tyler Zeller playing in game seven, you had Shabazz Muhammad. So you have all these guys that, you know, just, I mean, three of those guys aren't NBA players this year, and then the other two are young guys trying to figure out their spot in the league. And, you know, you can see the adverse effect they had on the Bucks last year, and that's just kind of not the case this year. You just look up and down the roster. There's, there's professionals up and, down that, uh, up and down that squad, and, you know, you look at a guy like Sterling Brown who's come on as of late. You look at a guy like Pat Connaughton. Those are guys that, you know, have, have done – way more than really any of those other guys that were coming off the Bucks bench last year did. And, you know, it just kind of puts you in a spot where you have real contributors. And to me, that's kind of the big thing that, that you see. I, I don't know that we learned anything about Giannis or, 
or Chris or Eric Bledsoe. Uh, but I do think we kind of learned that, you know, with Malcolm Brogdon out, he's going to be out for games one and games two. Uh, Mike Boonholder told us that officially today. With Brogdon out, like, you know, you worry about the rest of the roster and how it stacks up and how the Bucks will be able to compete against a team a little bit more talented like the Boston Celtics. And I think that's the, the positive you take from that first series. Eric, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I had Bart Winkler on the show. He's a UWL grad, so we have him on uh, from time to time, and I know you join his show as well. I told him on Tuesday it's pretty crazy to think that two years ago, or I guess two or three years ago, I don't remember clearly, I, I was talking with my friends and, and listening to shows like the Bill Michaels show and hearing things like, man, if DeAndre Liggins could only become an okay three-point shooter, like, man, he could be a player, and look at how far we've come. Like, that, he wouldn't even be on this roster. The transition that the Bucks have made and the improvement they've made is just almost hard to believe. No, it's staggering. It, it, it is staggering. And, I mean, one of my long-held beliefs is that good role players don't play on bad teams, and that isn't to say that there aren't players that are capable of being good role players on bad teams. It's just that you know, it's really hard to be a good role player on a bad team because, one, you know, either you don't have enough talent and that's why you're bad, or, two, you're poorly coached and that's why you're bad. And it's just really tough to be a guy 6 through 12 on the roster and make an impact with a bad team. And I think we're kind of seeing some of that this year, that, you know, you have a coaching staff that comes in, puts in schemes on offense and defense that make a lot of sense. Then, obviously, you have the MVP of the league and you have the Kumbo. You have talented guys like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe at the top. It makes it a lot easier in that in that in between range. So you know, I don't want to totally doubt the the fact that DeAndre Leggins could have maybe become a <laughs> contributor on this team. Uh, but certainly, you know, I think all the guys in the middle are better players than DeAndre Leggins ever was. But also, they're in a better system with a better team. This is true, and I, that was a funny anecdote we were sharing on on Tuesday. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy to think how far the Bucks have come. Eric Name of The Athletic joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. You wrote a piece earlier today. I should say you released a piece earlier today talking about Coach Budenholzer and how he's connected with players and how his players respond to him. Something that I noticed, it jumped out, especially uh, in the portions where you were quoting uh, their lead assistant coach, Darvin Ham. He's strategic. Uh, when he's hard on his players, he's strategic about it. When he listens to his players' opinions and feedback, he's strategic about it. In your time around Coach Budenholzer and listening to him talk and interact with the players. I, I guess after almost a full season now, what do you think of Coach Budenholzer and, and how does he get the players to respond to him in the way that he has? Because it's pretty special to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what's really tough is that, uh, you know, the the phrase that Darwin used was strategic tediousness. Uh, and he said he probably needs to copyright that because he hadn't heard anyone use that before. But I think kind of what really impresses me is that Bud is someone who's very detail-oriented and, you know, demands his players if they're running an offensive set that it goes exactly the way that it's supposed to go. And, you know, maybe that means you find the first or second option, but you're going to run all five options of that play correctly. That means on defense, you're going to execute the way that you need to execute. And if you don't, that means he's going to be upset. He's going to be angry and, you know, like he, he might end up yelling at you. But on the other side of things, on the offensive side of the ball, if it's not a set play that he called, he's going to let you kind of have some freedom. If you want to take an early three, that's cool. You want to try to get to the basket, that's great. Uh, you, you want to just kind of do your own thing offensively. Like 
he's probably going to allow that. He's not going to get really upset about it. And then, you know, you think about how, how light he's kind of able to to keep the team by, by doing different things. I know he had him play wiffle ball the other week. Uh, and, you know, obviously these guys aren't playing a lot. He's able to rest them as well. So it's kind of this strange yin and yang with, with Mike Boonholzer where he's able to push in certain areas, but he's able to push as hard as he does in those areas because, in other areas, he's going to be, you know, it's going to be a softer touch. He's really going to, you know, give the players some freedom and hear them out on some different things. And it is just kind of, it's kind of crazy to me that, you know, someone who is so tedious, so detail-oriented, that isn't always the type of coach a player likes. That that can get annoying over an 82-game season oh, yeah. to have someone like that and so there's got to be something else, and, and that was kind of the, the interesting stuff finding that out about Bud is just you know how he's able to keep it light or you know not take himself too seriously, make jokes at his own expense, allow guys like Brooke Lopez to be gregarious and, and kind of crack on everyone on on the team and make some jokes. Like he, he's able to foster that kind of family relationship, and I think that is what allows him to go as hard as he does in certain areas. I think he's pushing all the right buttons in, and I think that article articulated it very well, and Darvin Ham said it right. Strategically tedious. I, I really like that. He should trademark that. <laughs> Eric Name of The Athletic joining us for a couple of more minutes on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. A- Eric, I'm getting sick, and I started the show today. I- I'm I'm getting fatigued hearing everybody talk about Celtics bucks because I just I hear takes. If you want to pick the Celtics, fine. But for the most part, all of the takes and all of the personalities I've heard who have picked the Celtics, in my opinion— have done so behind reasoning and behind arguments that just don't hold any water. I I think the Bucks are deeper, and I think people consider the Celtics the deepest team in the East, and I don't really understand that. I, there's no statistic that claims that Boston is the better team. I think the coaching uh, level is much closer than it was last year. Uh, how do you see the series shaping up originally? Because we haven't seen Game 1 yet. Obviously, that's going to give us a lot to go with. But before we see any basketball action, what are your original thoughts on this matchup? I think the fact that these two teams played last year has really polluted a bunch of people's minds. Sure. Um, I, I just think that, you know, all they can think about is, oh, Kyrie didn't play and Gordon Hayward didn't play. So, of course, the Celtics have gotten better. And they see a, a number of the same main players for the Bucks, but then also forget about the Bucks having a brand-new coach and the Bucks having Brooke Lopez and the Bucks having Arizona Silva and just – Players up and down the roster, Pat Connaughton, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, whoever you want to go to, players that can actually contribute this year. So I just think so many people have gotten from afar. If you're not really invested in this Bucks team, you're just going to think of of the Bucks team that lost last year. Like that's that's going to be kind of how it goes. So I think one, that's the big thing, and then you know, going into this series. Uh, and really going into this playoffs, I've found myself asking, am I not thinking of this right? Like, am I not giving this Bucks team enough credit? Because their statistical profile is historic. Yeah. They're, one of seven, they're one of 77 teams in the history of basketball to win 60 games of the season. 77 in the history of NBA basketball to win 60 games. So, one, that's already pretty exclusive company. You want to get even more exclusive company, you go to... 45-plus wins by double digits. Like, that is something that's been done by eight teams in the history of the NBA. And all those teams kind of ran through the playoffs uh, with the exception of just one. 
And, uh, you know, I keep finding myself thinking, like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not giving this Bucks team enough credit and I'm giving these other teams in the East too much credit because as I talk about these series, I find myself thinking, you know, Bucks in seven. And I, I find myself thinking, oh, you know, they're going to struggle with Al Horford in the pick and pop game. They're going to struggle with Kyrie Irving and his, his ability one-on-one. And in reality, it's like, you know, maybe that's not, that's not actually the case. Maybe it will be easier. So that's the one thing for me that keeps kind of hanging on the back of my mind and why, you know, when I think of this series, I, my three most probable outcomes are Bucks and seven at number one, Bucks and five at number two, and Celtics and six at number three. And I, like, I just kind of think through all of that, and you know, I think that kind of covers me for the possibility of you know the Bucks maybe not being as good. But also, there's part of me that wonders if I should put the Bucks in five at the start of it, but. And we're going to have to see kind of what actually happens here uh, as these two teams go at it. The final question, Eric, and this is a quick one. It, you made me think of this. If all of those statistics and all of those regular season numbers were Phillies or were Bostons, or I, I'll leave Toronto out of this because I think they are pro- probably would be in a similar situation as Milwaukee. If Philly had won 60 games and 45 by double digits, would they not be the runaway favorite to meet Golden State in the finals? And the more we see Golden State struggle with the Clippers, a, a really solid title contender, like, wouldn't it be easy? Wouldn't it be easy and clear? Yes, it would. Um, there, there's a level of skepticism that goes along with this Bucks team because they're in a small market. Not a lot of people really watch them. And just the general idea that they have a transcendent superstar, so why didn't they win in the playoffs last year? I think when you put all that together, it leads to a level of skepticism of this team that, you know, just simply exists. Whether or not it's fair, it just exists. Yeah. And, you know, with all those other teams, they, a lot of people are looking for reasons to confirm why they're good. With the Bucks, you're looking for reasons to confirm why they're not as good as you think they are. So uh, I think it really is a lot of perception there and really a lot about kind of the reputation of these franchises. I love that, Eric. Thanks, uh, Eric Name of The Athletic. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes to join me. And Eric, I hope to be reading your work to follow you on Twitter at Eric Name. That's N-E-H-M. Long into the playoffs. I hope I hope we can keep this rolling uh, for what would be uh, another month or two. So thanks for joining me. Hope to talk again uh, before too long, Eric. Sounds good to me. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the playoffs, Eric, and thanks again. That's Eric Name. He covers the Bucks for The Athletic, hosts the Locked on Bucks podcast, and you can follow him at Twitter, Eric Name, Eric underscore Name, N-E-H-M. And if you are uh, if you are addicted to Twitter like I am and you're always on Twitter when you're watching games, Eric is one of those guys to follow. He is uh, one of the the leaders of Bucks Twitter and a guy you just need to follow on Twitter. So find him on Twitter. Check out uh, the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, and, and and subscribe to his work at The Athletic if you don't already. I will recommend it, uh, subscribing to his work there. Connected, uh, intelligent, and very well-spoken, as you just heard. So thank you, Eric, for joining us. We do have to talk about the draft. We have made it, and it's 546 uh, on draft night, and we haven't talked about the draft yet. So there was a little bit of a, a Packers news nugget uh, that came out about 15 minutes ago. We'll retouch on that, and I want to share my thoughts. Look, I'm not going to give you my mock draft. You don't care about my mock draft. I wouldn't even care about my mock draft if I did one, but I do have a couple of things that I am sure of uh, and that you can take to the bank, and they do not include predictions about players, but it does impact the Packers, and I am 100% sure of everything that I'm about to say, and I don't often say that. Take it to the bank. Coming up next, we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Talk Packers Draft here on WKTY.
Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. The show always presented by Played Against Sports. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good night. I, tonight's going to be awesome uh, because the Brewers are off. I feel like we need a break. The Brewers need a break. And hopefully they can start to turn things around this weekend when they get back in action against the Mets. I, 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 I just need the draft to happen. I cannot watch, read, or, or listen to another mock draft be talked about. I, I just I, I need it to happen, and I need it to be over with. That being said, I'm really excited, and I will be very entertained when I sit back and kick back uh, to watch the draft tonight. I, I think there are some misconceptions. I, I think there are... I think some people have it wrong, and I, and I think the Packers media in this case has it wrong. Based on everything that I've read and, and the way that I'm reading the tea leaves, I think the Packers and, and their media and their writers have this wrong. Now, 40 minutes ago, 37 minutes ago exactly, Aaron Nagler tweeted, Packers trying to move up from 30 per Adam Schefter. Now, Aaron Nagler is one of uh, the most connected, if not the most connected uh person in the Packers media, writer, media member, blogger, whatever you want to call him, uh, who has connections with Schefter and Rappaport and, and all over the NFL. And then Rappaport tweeted later that not only the Packers, but the Patriots uh, could be looking to move up later in that first round as well, should they see the player that they want, right? So maybe the Packers are trying to be flexible with that 30th pick. Uh, for the sake of our conversation, we only have a couple of minutes here. I want to focus on pick number 12. Okay, there was a perception a couple of weeks ago that the Packers were going to be sitting at 12 and they were going to be fat and happy uh, like a fish sitting in a stream with their mouth open just waiting for whatever flows by, right? Meaning they're going to get an elite level talent, a top 10 talent at pick number 12. Whether that's a tight end, whether that's a defensive lineman, whether that's a pass rusher or a linebacker, who knows? But somebody is going to slide by and because the Packers were... Uh, aggressive in free agency and in dealing with some of their needs, they're not really handcuffed to any one certain position. Luckily for them, this draft has good positions for the Packers, right? They, they're not dying to get a tight end. They could certainly use one. They're not dying to get a pass rusher or a defensive lineman, but they could certainly use one, especially the level of a player like Ed Oliver, right? Or, or Brian Burns or Montez Sweat. If you're talking about edge rushers, right? Here's the thing. Three weeks ago, the, that was the perception. The Packers were getting an elite-level player. Noah, or, uh, yes, TJ Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, Reggie White, uh, Devin Bush. Not Reggie White, excuse me, Devin White. The two Devins, Devin Bush, Devin White, uh, Ed Oliver. I butchered all those names. They are going to fall to the Packers at 12. Somebody's fallen to the Packers at 12. And I saw some conversation about how the Packers might actually be able to take TJ Hawkinson at 30 or trade back up from 30, say, to, to 20 or to 21 to take TJ Hawkinson, right? Well, well, fast forward a couple of weeks later, knowing what we know now, and obviously the draft uh, changes and players rise and fall and stock goes up and down. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. The Packers are on this bubble, and this is, this is my opinion. And I'm, I'm pretty certain of this. The Packers are on this bubble at 12 of elite-level players in front of them and, and a bunch of players who are on the very same level around and behind them, okay? Meaning this. If a TJ Hawkinson or Ed Oliver and Reggie White, or not Reggie White, I keep doing this, Devin White or Devin Bush falls to them, great. Great, they're getting an elite-level talent, they're sitting at 12, and they won't have to move up. But let's say TJ Hawkinson goes in the top 10, and, and I was just looking at random mock drafts, not really reading closely, but just looking at names. Bucky Brooks put this out earlier today. Ed Oliver going at number four. A lot of people thought he was going to be available for the Packers at 12, and he still might be, but that's certainly not what I'm seeing here. They have TJ Hawkinson going eight. Keep in mind that a lot of Packers writers and in Packers followers 
thought that TJ Hawkinson might be a play in, at 30. And not only does this draft that I'm looking at, which is just one of many, have TJ Hawkinson going in the top 10, but Noah Fant is as well, right behind him at number 9. Devin White going at pick number 10. And then Devin Bush at pick number 11. So by my watch, unless you're looking for an elite level offensive lineman, there'll be some left if you want to go offensive line at pick number 12. That's fine. But other than that, your options are are, are very equal. You are now selecting from a, a, a secondary tier, from a secondary group. You're not talking about the Devin Whites and the TJ Hawkinsons and the Jonah Williams, the Ed Olivers of the world. You are now looking at the class below. This particular mock has Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown going to the Packers at 12, which I think is an incredible reach. I would never take a wide receiver that high. And then it's a bunch of offensive linemen. Cody Ford, Andre Dillard, Clellan Farrell, Garrett Bradbury, Montez Sweat, the edge rushers going at 16. I, I just think, look, if we get to a position tonight where there's an early run on quarterbacks or there's a, a dumb pick, in my opinion, a dumb pick in the top 10, like Noah Fant, I think that's a big reach. Hollywood Brown goes in the top 10. That's a, that's a reach to me. Unless something transpires like that, a run on quarterbacks, a dumb pick in the top 10, I think the Packers are going to be sitting at this bubble where... I don't think it's advantageous to pick at 12. They're either going to trade up or they should trade down. Because I don't think picking at, at pick number 12, as the board looks right now, and, and this is obviously subject to change in the next two hours, as the board looks right now, unless something crazy happens, a run on quarterbacks or a huge reach, like a Noah Fant in the top 10, a Hollywood Brown in the top 10, I, I think the Packers would be suited to trade up or down. I think they're going to have to get creative in how they select their first player. I'm excited, and I'm just happy for it to start so we can start talking about real drafts and be done with the mocks. Sheesh. We had a lot of good Bucks conversation today. If you're just tuning in and miss it, go to WKTYsports.com. Check out the podcast. It'll be up in a couple of minutes. Otherwise, enjoy the draft tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the newest Packers here on the Wisco Sports Show. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>